Welcome to the 68th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Erin Yanish is a self-described ideas person, but she knows that when taking on an endeavor as challenging as farming, even the best ideas aren't enough. So in the fall of 2008, she and her husband Joe enrolled in the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course to learn how to turn their farming fantasies into reality on some family land in western Minnesota. Twice a month from October to March, the Yanishes, who were in their mid-twenties, participated in sessions on low-cost, sustainable methods of farming. They learned goal-setting, financial planning, business plan creation, alternative marketing, and innovative production techniques. The classes were taught by established farmers and other ag professionals representing a range of enterprises, from grass-based livestock production and organic cropping to vegetables and specialty products. The participants also attended on-farm events where they saw firsthand the use of innovative management techniques. Many of the 2008-2009 class participants were young, like Joe and Aaron, but there were also mid-career people looking for a change. Some had extensive farming backgrounds, others had none at all. Aaron grew up on a farm, but felt she needed the class to take things from the idea stage to the planning stage and finally to the execution stage. Today, the couple's main source of income is Joe's thriving farrier business and a horse-drawn trolley enterprise hired out for celebrations and events. But Farm Beginnings gave them the confidence to pursue their ultimate goal of converting a 185-acre crop farm formerly owned by Aaron's late grandfather, Wilfred Schultz, into an operation that can produce food for local markets. The Yanishes live with their three-year-old son, Gabriel, in the original farmhouse. In recent decades, the land had been devoted to intensive row crop production, and it took its toll in the form of erosion and low organic matter. Joe and Aaron are dedicated to bringing life to the land by converting crop acres into perennial forages like grass and hay. They have a small herd of bred Piedmontese cattle that they plan on using as a basis for a grass-fed beef enterprise. On a recent morning, Joe and Aaron showed me a former cornfield that had been planted oats, the first step toward conversion to a rotationally grazed pasture. Next to the stand of oats was an alfalfa field. It was clear the land was healing itself. After the farm tour, we sat down and chatted about taking a farm from the idea stage to a reality, a reality that's viable from an economic, environmental, and quality of life standpoint. I didn't know what it all took to do things. And so Farm Beginnings was great because it opened up to... Oh, it opened up a network of people for us so that we could call on them. We could see how their operations are running. We could learn from their good fortune and mistakes <laughs> and try to prevent any kind of mistakes of our own. Yeah, it's, um, in the beginning, we knew what we wanted, and we knew we wanted a finished product, but we just didn't know how to get to that point. Um, in the beginning, you know, I have a full-time job, and for me to get into this, this is more of a this thing for Aaron, um, but then I kind of got on the bandwagon with this. And to find out what it all entails, I thought it would just be so overwhelming for us. Uh, I'm consuming, but after we going through the farm beginnings and going to all the tours, you find out that, you know, you don't know everything and you're not going to know everything and you got a group of people that are going to help you out and it's not as bad as what it's, you think it's going to be. Um, it goes... A lot smoother with your group of people that you can you can call on and you know these people are it's great because these people you can you can call on them any time and they're more than willing to help and you know that's a goal for us in the future is to be like that so that 
people can come to us so we can help them out later on down the line because they're going to be in the same situation that we were. If we can lend a helping hand, that would be absolutely wonderful. I think that's really a really good point that you make because a lot of people talk about, in the end, the most valuable part of farming gains is that networking and being because it's one thing to take the class, see some interesting things going on, even visit some farms, but then it's the follow-up networking where you're once you're in the reality of the situation, being able to maybe give somebody a call um, and uh, say, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? And, and that's what's wonderful about the Farm Beginnings class is that you have such a network of people from pig farmers to people who plant flowers to do CSAs to dairy to you name it, that you they have it. So in the beginning, we were, Aaron was considered doing a dairy. And from now, our, change, our plans have changed over the course of the year to chickens and possibly a smaller CSA with vegetables, beef, and eggs, and just kind of going on from there. When you go through the classes, it kind of gives you your holistic goal that you want, and that was the main thing for us. With Erin, her goal is to stay home and be more of a tighter family unit, and that's what we found out through this class, that we still can be more of a tighter family unit, and even tighter because we can all do it together. The other aspect, too, is was that Joe and I both pretty much grew up in the farming community. We both worked on different farms, and my other thought was was that Farm Beginnings maybe wasn't for me because I, I felt I knew a lot of things about farming. But in the end, I found that I didn't know a lot of things, and it really opened up my, it broadened my horizons, and if with the open mind that I had, I was able to be even better steward of the land to be an even better farmer, to not leave as big of a footprint as I probably would have without the classes. You, uh, this is your family's land, Aaron, and you said it's been in the family since 1880. And so you, you guys had lived in the Twin Cities for a while and had come back, and you kind of had to make a commitment to the family that you would do certain things, that you would steward the land and, and the farmstead and that type of thing. I wonder if you could just talk about how important that is and as we see land prices go up and it just kind of goes to the highest bidder, that type of thing, I think that's really a key way to keep some of these farms going as farms and as uh, family-type operations is is kind of that commitment to not just getting the highest price but stewarding that that land. Uh, Starting out, my grandfather, it was a dairy operation. Actually, before that, in the 20s and 30s, before when my grandfather would have been a child, it was a poultry. They had a lot of poultry. They had the diversity. They had the beef, the dairy, the poultry, the hogs. And then it moved on to just being pretty much a dairy farm. And then it grew into being a beef and hog operation. And then in my grandfather's later years, he started doing rotational crop. And the one thing that my mother witnessed as well as my grandfather was that the soil started to lose its life. Uh, they noticed how there you could dig a patch and there wouldn't be the worms. And the other thing we noticed was the erosion to the land, something you never will see on something that is kept naturally. You won't see this huge erosion, but with all the planting and such and then the rainfalls, it was just tearing apart the land. And so that was the one thing that he really wished that his place would go back to to the simpler times as far as healthy, natural, happy. Uh, My mother actually was the one that 
vowed to my grandfather that she would take back the land and put it back into a more warm, livelier land. I think the biggest feeling that you get is if you're if you're driving what is the countryside, sometimes you just get a cold feeling like you see these hollow farms. You see these places where cattle used to live and now we're moving into a bigger production of things and we're striving for quality and not necess- or quantity and not necessarily quality. And for us, we find that quality is much more and it's that whole theme of the law of sowing and reaping. What you do today will take its effect tomorrow and will pay you back in the end. And so I feel that as a family union, we do not have a bunch of riches, but we are rich with a lot of other things. And we are able to do that because our hearts and our minds are in the right place for preserving the land and when people drive by, we get people that want to stop in and check out our property. We have no clue who they are. And they're just like, yeah, we, we just wanted to see what you guys are doing up here. It looks so different than the other farms we're passing because we have a diverse of animal on our, our property and the vegetables that we're growing and things of that nature. For more information on Farm Beginnings, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's farmbeginnings.org. More on the Yanish operation is available at www.silverleaffarms.net. That's silverleaffarms.net. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Beep.